En USPS entregamos más paquetes para que tú también puedas hacerlo. ¡Llegaron mis zapatos de fútbol! Más rápido de lo que esperaba. ¿Entrega para la futura deportista? ¡Huepa! Llegó la sortija y le va a encantar. Está en ella. ¿Entrega para una futura esposa? ¡Oye! ¡Llegó mi nueva computadora! ¡Uh! ¿Entrega para una futura startup? En USPS, sin importar el negocio que tengas, siempre estaremos entregando por ti. Entregamos para todos. Conoce más en USPS.com diagonal para todos. Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. This is episode six, and we are with Shane Wenzel today. He is a prominent home builder in Calgary and has been the president of the Shane Holmes Group of Companies since 2010. He actually took over the company that his dad named after him, which is so cool. But don't fool yourself. He still had to work his way up all the way through the ranks to get the position he has today. His story is pretty fascinating, and there are some really sweet bumps, turns, and twists. So without further ado, welcome to Fear It Goes. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Who is Shane? Oh, you want to start there? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start there? <laughs> I want to start sure. there. Okay. Well, my name's Shane Wenzel. I'm uh, president and actually namesake of uh, the Shane Holmes Group of Companies website so get ready you're going to get picked up and you're going to get dropped off and you're going to lay patio blocks you're going to clean basements you're going to do all the odds and sods that uh the general labor does and he so said welcome always, to your vacation welcome to your vacation <laughs> did you at least get paid i got paid yeah, i uh, i think i got paid well at the time but you know when you're young and you're 14 you look at a paycheck you know you think this is pretty uh, this is pretty cool but i wouldn't know what minimum wage was then i was just right. happy to have some cash <laughs> but uh, you know my father uh, my father believed that you know this is a family and you know you're going to have to work hard for it and he carried that philosophy on all the way through it's a good philosophy to have yeah i think it is i think it is you know i certainly have an appreciation for what our uh, what our staff go through out in the field and you know, they always have the warmest winter jackets, that's for damn sure. So when did you take over the company? I took over as president uh, roughly seven years ago now. And what was that experience like? Uh, you know, that was one of those fear moments, that's for sure. You know, because this, uh, this company had grown from, from what I had known when I first started to, to what it is today. Yeah, so when uh, when I started, you know, we were doing about uh, about 150 to 200 sales a year, and uh, you know that roughly equated to about 75 million dollars in business to what it is now, where uh, where you consider that we're we're doing about two to 250 million dollars in business. There's uh, there's considerable land assets, and now we've entered the field of uh, of multifamily as well. So. There's certainly a larger amount of risk. Yeah, and with risk comes reward, but there's also usually fear around that. Oh, what if I fail? Oh, yeah. That's, is that something that plagued you? Oh, obviously, yes. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a heck of a lot easier when you're uh, when you're playing VP of sales and marketing. All you have to worry about is a campaign failing. You know, when you're uh, when you're president of a a group of companies like this, uh, you're worried about the whole thing failing. And how do you manage that? <laughs> some days you do and some days you don't, to be totally some, honest. Some days you go home and cry. <laughs> uh, some days you just, you, honestly, you just you know, want to crawl into bed and not wake up for about a month. But, you know, that's not an option. And, uh, no, all you do, you got to have a lot of faith in yourself, but you got to look at, uh, you know, where, uh, where your shortcomings are and you got to fill those gaps. So, now I'm very fortunate enough to have a, a very strong management team around me. And they can fill in uh, what I uh, what I can't necessarily do. I find that's good leadership. Is leaders mm -hmm. surround themselves by um, with good people that they help 
um, they encourage and they help raise up to new levels. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. You know, so as you know, one, one thing that I had done over the last seven years is try and surround myself with those people that, that make it, make the company work, working for me, you know, not necessarily uh, working for uh, working the same way for my father, because he's a very strong A type personality. And yourself. And I'm, I, well, I'm definitely a, a strong A type personality, but we have two different management styles. Mm hmm. You know, he comes from an era where, you know, you had to be kind of a jack of all trades and you had to know a lot and you had to be able to do a lot. Uh, I come from a generation where, you know, there's a more collaborative kind of effort uh, when you're running a company. So I'm looking for the best advice. And, you know, once I have all the, uh, the options in front of me, then I'll make a decision. I think collaboration is where you get the most strength in a company. Sure you do. Because Absolutely. you're pulling assets from different sources and... One way isn't always the best way in many ways. Um, show you new, new visions of your company or your project or your creation that you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and uh, that's the type of team I have around me is uh, they're not afraid to speak up if they think that something's wrong. They may not always get their way, but, <laughs> you know, at least they feel comfortable enough making their opinion known. That's good. You know, they're not just yes people. And that's, uh, that's where we succeed. And that's where we continue to grow. Okay. So you were saying when you took over as president, it was a fearful moment. Let's talk about that a little bit more because, <laughs> because this is the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. So how did you approach that? What, what was the determining factor for you to actually take it over? And um, how did you push forward? Uh, well, you know, to take over, it was actually, it was just time. Uh, you know, I knew my father wanted to step back a little bit more uh, a few years beforehand, so I probably delayed him a little bit. But uh, again, you know, it was just kind of overcoming that fear and taking that first step to say, well, you know, I can do this and, you know, I'm going to have to. You know, and like I mentioned before, you, you understand, you're, you know, if you can come, come to terms with the fact that you're not perfect in absolutely every way, then you can come to terms with that and and uh and kind of figure out your own plan you know so i knew uh you know i need i, I knew i needed some more mentorship so i actually joined uh, tech canada in a very uh strong group that they had there and you know i learned from uh, i learned from my peers i have a few mentors there and there's uh even though i'm not involved anymore i there's still four or five people that you know i rely on their opinion and i still talk to them about you know what would you do in a situation like this right you know, and you need that, uh, you know, cause we can't, uh, we can't do it on our own. More often than not, very, very true. And that mm -hmm. concept around perfect, I actually talked about that in my first podcast, um, how easy it is to get stuck in the, mm -hmm. well, it's just not, it's, it's just not, it's just not perfect. It's just not right. If I just do this, if I just do that, but then you get stuck in that cycle and, yes. um, I have, I wrote a novel a few years back and, that was one of the things that we discussed was the first chapter. So many people get stuck in their first chapter because they get stuck in the perfecting, right? Mm -hmm. so you write it and then, oh, but this and oh, but that and oh, I just need to change this. And they'll go over it 40 times before they even get on their second chapter or don't at all because they've basically stuck themselves in paralysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That well, I mean, the world is forever changing around us. And I mean, you either change with it or you fall behind. And I think people are a lot more forgiving of things that are not necessarily perfect, mm -hmm. but it's honest. Yes, absolutely as, they are. And as long as we're honest and say, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best and, and I'm bringing in the people I can to make this the best it can be. People are a lot more accepting of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, uh, that's where I ended up. Uh, you know, again, my father has a different management style than what I do, and he, uh, you know, he has a different vision uh, of the company than what even I have. You know, so I've had to, uh, you know, I had to work around that as well, and uh, and I know he's had to kind of kind of accept certain things that uh, that he may not like that it, it, as far as direction goes. But you know, I'm trying to trying to create something here that uh, that'll last even you know hopefully another forty years. And this is your dad's still involved with the company, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, not as uh, not as active as he used to be, but he comes in every day, and he uh, he still holds an opinion. <laughs> he'll, he'll let you know it. We just <laughs> don't excellent. agree all the time, which is uh, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> uh, Shane, we talked before about your um, more on a personal level about mm-hmm. your you were married. Yes, um, and now divorced. Mm-hmm. And what that was like. So we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Um, I think that was more challenging than, uh, than taking over the company. The changes. Yeah. Well, coming out of the closet, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, fortunately I have someone special in my life who, uh, who helped me accomplish that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's an uncomfortable thing. Uh, you, you know, here I am, I feel uh, in a way I'm, feeling a bit of un, like I'm on top of the world, you know, I'm president of this, uh, this large company and, you know, doing, uh, doing, you know, quite a good job at it. And then uh, reality kicks in your, your other life starts to fall apart. And, uh, and, uh, you know, that, uh, that's a whole story in itself. But I mean, you know, when you're, when you're on your own and you're trying to come to terms with, you know, feelings that you've had in your life forever, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. Okay. So let's talk about that. Expand mm-hmm. on that. You were really amazing in our free interview. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, well, no, I just, uh, you know, I had those feelings in me for quite some time. But, uh, you know, when you come from uh, from a family where you're not sure how everybody's going to react and you're, you're, you're working in an industry that is, that is very male-dominated mm-hmm. and uh, very macho in its own right, uh, you know, from the outside in the end, uh, you wonder if you're, you're about to implode your entire life just for the sake of, uh, of trying to really be you. Being authentic. Being it's hard authentic. to step into your authenticity. It is. It is. You know, and that's why I say it was harder, you know, it was harder to do that because there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of support out there now, but I mean, it's a, it's a big change, you know, it, it's a big change, but I guess it's not because you're still the same person at the end of the day. It's just other people, you know, you're worried at first about them accepting you. Mm-hmm. for who you really are and coming to the realization that you're, you're really no different. <laughs> oh, the labels. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And there are a lot of labels, trust me, but you know, fortunately we're in a world now where even the younger generation just kind of looks over that as, Oh really? You're gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's more accepted today. I would totally agree. So when you were leaving your marriage, mm-hmm. um, you didn't leave your marriage because you were coming out of the closet. I know you no. Did. <laughs> no, 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 no. I had a, uh, you know, I think uh, like a lot of people nowadays, you, you, you know, your first marriage ends up, uh, well, I mean, it ends up being a first marriage. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes you start off with the best intentions and, and things just kind of go awry. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately my, uh, my ex-wife has, has some mental health issues and it really played on our, uh, our marriage the last five, six years. And I had to come to the conclusion that was one of those other fear moments of, you know, okay, I'm leaving, I'm done. Yeah. yeah and I think what held me back for, uh, for as long as it did was, you know, we have this wonderful, uh, wonderful child, only mm-hmm. one. And, uh, and he's an amazing, almost adult now. You know, he was one of my biggest fear points, uh, you know, telling him, you know, that yeah, coming out to him. And he really, uh, he really kind of scared me when I told him. I remember. Yeah, he uh, he went silent on me and almost didn't want to talk. Uh, you know, so of course, you know, silence doesn't help when in your mind's going going all all around in different directions. Every dark, shadowy corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he actually, why? What it actually took was a, was a bit of a conversation that night with uh, with one of my closest friends and uh, and even conversations with some of his little buddies in uh, in school that you know. They they told him uh, your dad's cool. What do you care? You know, and they tell him, I have a gay sister, or I have a gay brother, or I have a gay parent, or I have a gay uncle or aunt. You know, so I think it just helped normalize it for him. And within a couple of days, he was fine. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm just going to share with the audience. Um. In our, in our in pre-podcast interview, we discussed this and Shane told me the story. Um, he had told his son, then 
uh, one evening and his son didn't say anything. (laughs) So when we're talking about silence, it was truly silence. It was truly silence, yeah. Yeah. And then a long drive home from the lake and still Mm -hmm. silence. (laughs) And still silence, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like try to do that for four hours. So for me, that would be torture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't get home soon enough. I would be dying. Mm -hmm. I I would be asking a million questions. Why aren't you answering? (laughs) Which is not helpful. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's not. I did ask him a few times. He just, he said, we'll talk when I get home. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So going back to that for a sec, I just Mm -hmm. thought it was really interesting the way, um, so the marriage dissolves. Yes. And, at what stage did you kind of come to the conclusion that uh, because you were in a heterosexual marriage mm-hmm. and then at what point did you kind of come to the conclusion that, Hey, this is not really who I am. Well, and that's a thing. It, uh, and why were a- you and why were you in that um, relationship? Because I think this is really important for people to truly understand perceptions. So well, to be honest, you, you know, I mean, that's, that was the norm. And I just, I, you know, I wanted to be what I perceived as normal. Uh, but a year and a half after, uh, after leaving, uh, you know, I spent about, I spent most of my time just making sure that my son was well adjusted. And then when I finally got to the point where I wanted to date, uh, you know, I did go out on dates with girls. But there was always this lingering feeling there, you know, that, that something just wasn't right. So I finally uh, I ended up going out on a date with uh, with a guy, and I guess the rest is kind of history because that felt normal <laughs> to me now. And he's the one that you are now married to. No, no, that was a different oh, person. Yeah, you have to guy. date and and really kind of understand a little <laughs> bit more about yourself. So I spent a lot of time probably ticking off a few of these guys uh, by just asking a ton of questions. <laughs> But fortunately, uh, you know, most of them were willing to accommodate and, uh, you know, you learn a little bit about their lives and, you know, how they came to this conclusion themselves. And, and it was actually quite relieving. You know, no, I met, uh, I met my husband, Matt, purely by chance. Uh, you know, he was in town visiting his family for an early Christmas and uh, we were on a, a dating service and I actually wasn't using it but he had messaged me the one night just said hi and he was just looking for someone to have a conversation with i replied back the next morning and uh you know we chatted and found out that you know he was heading back to vancouver uh, after this uh, this early christmas with parents so i'm thinking oh god okay uh but oddly enough we kept talking throughout the day and then we talked the next day and the next day and we actually haven't stopped talking every day since <laughs> oddly enough before i got on this podcast i was talking to matt who's over <laughs> in the, the uk visiting his family now mm. so we talk every day there's something about connection and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how like i i think sexual orientation has nothing to do with human connection no. um and I think it's beautiful when people find it. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, and quite by chance, uh, because either of us were looking for a relationship. He certainly wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, and you know, for the first month, I think we just we kind of thought maybe we're talking as friends. <laughs> and then he and then he asked the question. He said, "Are we more than friends now?" Like, I'm like, <laughs> well, it could be. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, so we finally connected up. I went and visited him in uh, in Vancouver, and uh, you know the relationship just kind of took off from there. But your trip to um, South South, South Africa, Africa. <laughs> uh, I loved your trip to South Africa. Um, watching watching it on Instagram was excellent, and I'm really glad that you posted all that. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit more because there were a few things in South Africa that brought up some very interesting <laughs> fears. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess the, the quick background there, uh, you know, and, and, and it's just one way that Matt and I connect is we, we have this thing, you know, on social media, especially on Instagram, where, you know, it, it, in a way, I don't even know if it's a bit of a competition between us, but we both enjoy it. So it's our photo album of life. 
But the background is, is that Matt was actually born in South Africa. And he had, he had moved away, uh, his parents moved him away uh, when he was three years old for, uh, you know, for career reasons. But uh, he had never been back. So he turned, uh, turned 40 this year. And, uh, you know, he wanted to go back to South Africa. So I said, well, here, let's go. This is your 40th birthday gift. Uh, and what started off as just, you know, kind of a birthday gift turned into us eloping down there mm. because we, uh, you know, we were talking about destination weddings and what for, what not. And we finally just, uh, just said, you know, the hell with this, uh, let's just go elope. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the one thing he was so excited with, uh, was to, uh, to go and swim with the great white sharks that, that had always been a dream of his. So we get this all planned all together. We're down in South Africa. He phones and uh, they say, yeah, you're booking us for this, but we haven't seen great whites in a month. Why? Because the killer whale family moved into the bay and they've scared off all the great whites. And I think Matt called every day for two weeks asking if, you know, the great whites had come back, if they'd seen him. No. He's crushed because he wants to go so bad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he toyed with me for months beforehand, Every you know, because I, I was afraid. That was a fear. That's still a fear. But I said I would get in the cage and then Matt would play a shark movie or put Shark Week on on TV. <laughs> and, and that would ruin it for me for a while. That's awesome. So purely by chance, we're, he's flipping through a, uh, you know, a brochure stand on, uh, you know, a tourist stand uh, with brochures in it. And he pulls out skydiving, kind of looks at me and I look at him and he says, scares the hell out of me. I said, does me too. He says, you want to go? I said, I'm ticked about the sharks too. Let's just go. Let's get in the car and go right now before we lose the guts to do this. Love it. So we did. We drove uh, drove out to the country and uh, you know signed our papers, got our gear on, got uh, you know. And neither of you had jumped before. Never, never. It it was never on the radar. We were you know, but we had both talked about it, and we were just scared to death of it. But yeah, you know, before we knew it, uh, we're up in the plane with our uh, with our instructors, and we're connected on. And, okay, seriously. Boy, oh boy. Shane, I'm just thinking about that right now, and it's scaring me right now sitting here. <laughs> well, you're only 10,000 feet up in the air. <laughs> okay, and and that you, was the thing. How did you actually get on the plane? Because seriously, I, would, I think I'd be crying. I told my instructor, I said, let's get on this damn thing before I change my mind. And then did your instructor tell you once we're up, too bad, you have to get out? Well, he told me what to do three times. And I think the fourth time, uh, you know, I asked him was just before the door opened up. And, uh, and I think he just agreed with me like, yeah, yeah, this is what we do. We get out, we get on the step and then we go one, two, three, and we jump. Right. I think he just agreed with me just to get me out the door at first. <laughs> but I think I had my feet out the door and no sooner did I have my feet out the door than we're jumping. <laughs> <laughs> and you jump tandem the first time, right? Sorry, what? You jump tandem the first time. Oh, you have to jump tandem the first time, yeah. Or, uh, yeah I don't think I think it's the first few times. <laughs> but uh, we got out there, and I think my heart stopped for the first two or three seconds as we, we jumped. And then he flipped me upside down to look at the plane, you know, disappearing off in the distance, and then flipped me back forward. And I finally came to the realization that, well, there's no turning back now. Right. <laughs> it can't go back. So I enjoyed it. You know, it's perfectly quiet up there. And I think we, we were free falling for about 15, 20 seconds. And then he pulled the chute. I didn't even realize he pulled the chute. I had to look up to see if he did. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm holding the straps. You know, we're, we're moving left, we're moving right. You pull yeah. them both down and you're floating up there with no one around. So it was one of those surreal moments that it, it, you realize... What was I so scared for? That makes me think of, um, I went parasailing when I was in Mexico years mm -hmm. ago. And I, I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to conquer a fear today because I'm totally afraid of heights. I still yep. am afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to conquer this fear. I'm going to go up parasailing. So the boat takes off and, and I'm all strapped in and I get up there and it feels really awesome going up. And then oh, I'm yeah. up there and then you actually get really good height and I look and the hotels are actually really quite small at this mm -hmm. stage. And I'm looking down and I'm like, oh my God, I could fall. 
And then seriously, I had like a moment of total panic and then rationale kicks in and you think to yourself, um, you have a parachute attached to you and it's fully functioning. (laughs) So even if this rope did disconnect, which whoop-de-doo, you have a parachute attached to you. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to float to the ground. So you're going to float, which is (laughs) right. That's what you end up doing. And then you come down and I love that it's the little ropes and uh, they take you left or right or, or slow you down. And you literally just step onto the ground. Mm -hmm. You're not crashing. No, that was easy. Yeah. (laughs) So Shane and I, since our first conversation, um, have talked about me getting up in a plane and I'm terrified. So that may be another podcast, but um, I will get up and go jump from a plane. It's worth it. It's worth it. And Shane's going to get a tattoo. I'm getting a tattoo. We're declaring right fig- now. Absolutely. I'm declaring on air. I am getting a tattoo. I just have to figure out what to get. See, marking your body does matter. It's not just a choice of just I don't know. I'm just going to get something thrown on there. No, no. It's, it's something I get to live with the rest of my life. So it's got to be special. It's got to be something that means something, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know where you're going to get it? I have a bit of an idea that I'm going to have it uh, that put on my, uh, my left shoulder. Back or front? Front. Excellent choice. And I'll tell you front. why. <laughs> yeah, because you have a story about that. And you made yes. me think about this. Because I have it on my back. And it's actually, <laughs> weirdly enough, it's my left shoulder. And it's something that really means something to me that's very significant about who I am. And having it in the back, I, I put it on my body because I always wanted to remind myself of who I am if I ever forgot. Because there are moments we get busy and stupid in our lives and we get lost in the noise, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I like to call it the noise. It's all the stuff that's going on that's the surface kind of living. And sometimes you go into those states for longer periods of time than you should. And I was in mm-hmm. it for a very long period of time. And I forgot who I was. So seeing this tattoo is a reminder of someone I will never, ever forget to be. So I want to have it somewhere where I can see it every day as an always reminder, not a sometimes when I look at my back. So yeah, think about that. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Yeah. So with that idea in mind, that's why I'm saying the front. I love it. <laughs> Shane, we can go together. <laughs> <laughs> Hold hands through the pain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll be crying. You'll be crying. It'll be great. <laughs> actually, I don't Next. think I, I don't think I cried actually when I got this tattoo. I do remember going, "Holy shit, that hurts," um, <laughs> because it's fine when they're when you're in a muscly area, but when you get to a bony area and it's on it's on my uh, um, the shoulder blade. So yeah. yeah, when they hit that part, I was like, oh. So the front is going to be interesting because it's going to hit um, collarbone and ribs because I don't have enough muscle there. I'm like, uh, either I need to get really muscly in the next very short period of time or it's going to hurt. Uh, yeah. I'm getting over that fear. So I'm just curious. I should pull somebody or somewhere and just find out if, um, if drinking does really help. Uh, a little tequila. Sure. Why not? Right? Yeah. But then you bleed more. <laughs> Ah, blood schmutz at that point. At least you're feeling good. <laughs> Maybe we'll just go do some tequila shots and then get tattoos. Absolutely. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds about right. I, I just feel like I need to go out for drinks with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> just so fun. So fun. Well, and that's, I think, the key. You know, like, uh, you know the, the one thing that Matt brings out in me is the more fun side. I just can't. Yeah. I can't see you being all serious. Oh, yeah, do well, I? I try and suit every uh, every occasion that I'm at. You know, there's certain meetings where you know yeah, you have the uh, the flattest of people in the room, so you end up having to be flat yourself because you know that uh, you can't be as fun loving. Yeah. And then there's others where you know I might not even be able to keep up. <laughs> there's yeah. something about the pictures that you have posted of Matt that makes me think fun. Like he's oh, yeah. like a really fun guy, and I haven't even met him. I just just <laughs> the feeling I get from those pictures, and it's through your eyes too, so it's nice. <laughs> well, absolutely, you know. I mean, he is a fun guy. Like he uh, he, he brings the stupid and silly out of me. He does, that's perfect. Yeah, and you know, and that's what uh, that's one thing that really makes us work. You know, I was always amazed. It's like you really want to go out with somebody like me. He's like, yeah, we have fun together, and he's right. I mean, he. Uh, he opened me up in a way that I, I honestly 
never knew I could be. Isn't that the best part of a good, good, solid relationship, though, is that we bring the better parts of each other out? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, what... the, that's that, that, honestly, that floors me even to date. <laughs> Don't be floored. Just be loving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely loving. But, you know, even I have to look back and, and kind of reminisce a little bit and just say, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> you know, and it happened because you find the right person, the one that, uh, the one that, you know, I mean, there's bells going off in your head or the, you know, the one that just puts a smile on your face every morning you wake up with them. So yeah, that's what he does for me. And it's, it's so incredible how prior to that person, you're like, my life is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, like I, I love who I am. I'm in a great place. And then they walk in and they totally change that dynamic and, introduce you to an even better part of you yes that's exactly it yeah (laughs) i know (laughs) i know puts a smile on my face even now oh and you two have been together for four years right yeah we met uh yeah roughly three four years ago now Mm, i love that (laughs) cute story (laughs) i want to talk about the male dominant industry Oh, yeah. it is. You are in a construction. You're in construction. Yeah, I'm in construction. <laughs> you are in construction and design. And you came out in a male-dominated industry mm-hmm. being gay. So what was yeah. that like? And how accepting were people? And- you know, I got to be totally honest. Yeah, I was more scared about telling my parents. You know, and, and, you know, and I, I, that, that, that was a process that kind of happened over, you know, over about eight, nine months. Uh, yeah, but yeah, again, Matt helped me adjust all of that. Uh, you know, and that's that's the kind of loving person that he is. Because he uh, was already out, right? Yeah, yeah, he had been out since uh, you know since he was twenty one, so roughly you know roughly about eighteen years. So he had no fear, but you know, thankfully he was patient with me. Yeah, you know, and he, uh, you know, he uh, he waited. He 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 actually waited for me to uh, to do this. But uh, so you know, I finally. I finally came to the conclusion. What's that? What did you butt up against? Because you said it took you like eight, nine months. So what was it that like, I, I understand that you can't just jump into things because it's hard, but yeah. what did you keep butting up against? Because I know for me, when I come up against a fear or a challenge, I have crazy thoughts that keep coming up until I release them. Well, you, you know, the, the, the fear is that, you know, I mean, for one with family, you know, are they going to accept you or... You know, and am I, am I going to be ostracized to some degree? But and in the industry, uh, you know, in a male-dominated industry, you wonder, you know, am I, is my career over? You know, is it just going to be totally unacceptable or is this, this industry finally growing up? Right. You know, and that's, uh, that's scary because, like I said, you know, you feel like you're on top of the world because you've reached the pinnacle in your career and, you th- and, and yet, you know. It could all fall th- apart. It could all fall apart just by, uh, you know. Me saying two words. Yeah, a few words. Yeah. Unfortunately, it hasn't. But, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said that there's some relationships that just I don't have anymore. You know, some people who just can't accept that. So it's it's not my job to make them feel comfortable with with me. It's them coming to terms with, you know, some sort of value that they they hold close to them. Yeah. What was it? What was the turning point for you? What was the point where you kind of went okay I'm just gonna did you did you think to yourself I'm I don't know if this is going to end my career but you know what it's this is more valuable or what was your thought process around that and how did you take the step because at some point you took the step so what was it that pushed you over the edge and said to say yes I'll do it I finally got just got to the point where I said to help with it you know, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to be uh, authentic to myself. I love and, uh, you know, I wanted to do it on my own terms. So did it, you know, Matt was in town for, uh, for Christmas that year, and I did it very subtly, but very final, just over Facebook. I posted a picture of him and I uh, at the Christmas tree and, you know, told everybody there, you know, I'm so happy to have, uh, have Matt here and have him in my life. And, you know, I love the guy to death and, you know, Merry Christmas, I'm gay. <laughs> that's it. Merry Christmas. I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
uh, you know, people could rationalize that over the holidays, uh, you know, and Matt has a good saying for that one. Uh, he just said, you know, either they accept you or they don't, uh, you know, but you're done. <laughs> you've done and, what you need. You know, yeah, you've done what you've needed. And over, uh, over Christmas and the New Year's, uh, you'll be old news. And he was right. And the majority of people were pretty accepting? Yeah, no, I received a lot of compliments either over Facebook over the holidays or even when I, you know, when we opened the office up again uh, in the early part of the year. And, uh, you know, and I, I had heard from a lot of people around the industry, uh, even surprisingly enough, some of my dad's old friends who were, uh, who were retired actually called me and said, good for you. Still like you, still love you. Good. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's encouraging. And the more and more you hear that, you know, you realize that you made the right decision. Uh, even if you didn't hear it, you still made the right decision. Absolutely. Because being authentic is the right decision. Mm -hmm. Living in someone else's expectations is never going to be a good life. No, no. And I never want to do that again. Because it's not yours, right? You don't own it. <laughs> no, you don't. And that's the thing. It's uh, you don't own it at all. Uh, you know. It, you know, so I, that, I guess that's the one thing that I, uh, that I really try to preach to my, uh, my son uh, as he enters adulthood and, you know, is now looking at going away to school is, you know, just be yourself. You know, go out there, make your mistakes, learn from them, uh, but just be yourself. Develop your own feelings and opinions about things and, uh, you know, that's it. And understand that people have opinions, but that's what they are, opinions. Yeah. I would say he's actually better at that than I am. I wonder if that's a generation thing. I don't know. I think they're desensitized to a lot of things nowadays, but, uh, you know, he, he, he is like me in a certain sense. Uh, you know, he'll take it in, he'll listen to it, he'll absorb it, uh, but he'll formulate his own opinion past that. So I succeeded there. You've been a good dad. Mm -hmm. and, well, I can honestly say that. I hope to God I can say that. <laughs> that <laughs> of course I you will. Mom. You just have to get to the uh, the terrible teens. That so Shane and I share this. He has a son, and I have two sons. And and I was asking him about this this stage of prepubescence, and because we're just moving into it, and it's challenging, very challenging. And there are days when. As a parent, there are days when you feel like you are a really good parent. And then there mm -hmm. are other days when you feel like you're completely failing in every way possible and you revert yeah. back to some of the worst parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what I find with myself. And I, I try so hard to turn those back around so that I'm, I'm not leaving it in a, in a bad place with my kids, you know? Yeah, you need a thick skin. <laughs> well, they maneuver their way through that stage of life. Ugh. See, you're I laughing. Have, at I, have a saying for, <laughs> I, well, I have a saying for it because I went through it too. I call it the asshole stage. <laughs> because that's, no matter what you do, I mean, you'd be sitting there having a perfectly fine dinner at the table and then all of a sudden there's, there's emotion, there's screaming, there's yelling, and you're kind of sitting there like... What? what just happened? What? <laughs> I was talking to a woman two days ago about this, and her son is 17, just about 18. Mm -hmm. She was saying that with her son, he'll just look at her and go, why are you looking at me? She's like, yeah. um, I was just looking at you. <laughs> just, I was just looking over, thinking I'm a pretty proud parent, and you know, <laughs> sorry. I think you're apologizing for it. I, I like your shirt you're wearing today. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I won't look uh, at you. Ah, <laughs> uh, children. Uh, parenting. Yeah. We all need yeah. manuals. <laughs> there aren't any manuals, no. No. You just kind of flubber your way through it, and that's, that's all you can do. That's a beautiful part of living in general, though, is that we are constantly making mistakes and course corrections and learning from our lessons, hopefully. Otherwise, we're repeating the same mistakes, right? Yeah. Well, hey, sometimes you have to repeat those mistakes before you learn. But Right. I think it's all lessons, but the mistake is made when we don't learn. That's the mm -hmm. mistake. And that's why it repeats until you learn it. And then the lesson is done and mm -hmm. you move on to the next lesson. 
whatever that That's means. Basic, yeah, it's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> just have to keep reminding yourself you can get past it. So just do it. I've survived all of these previous ones. Yes. <laughs> survived yeah. this one. That's exactly it. You survived it. So as long as you survived it, then move on. Yeah. Just thinking about authenticity and living your most authentic self and living. I, I don't know. I look at fear this way. I, I think for a long time, I sat as a spectator in my life. I kind of lived on the surface. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't live, but I valued too much of other people's belief systems more so than yeah. my own. I would and, agree with that. And it wasn't until I came to the conclusion that I was doing this and that I really wanted to be me that I started participating in my own life. So I'm like, okay, it's the game of life. And it's kind of a cheesy cliche, but it is. It's it's the game we play or we choose to, to watch. And I don't want to see people watch their lives go by and accept them for whatever it is and just accept it as, well, I guess this is all there is. And then look back on their lives and think, wow, that's a life unlived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a complete waste. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you're supposed to enjoy it. And I agree with you on the spectator comment because that's what it felt like. If you, if you, you feel like you're a spectator in your own life and, that, and you're just going through the motions every day and every day. And it's, uh, it's depressing. It can be depressing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And it is going through motions. Ugh. I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to revisit that. <laughs> I don't want to revisit that either. No, and no. for me, that meant taking steps, the big steps to change things. And for you, that meant changing things, big steps. Um, yeah. But the other side is incredible. And knowing that that first step is the hardest and that you're going to course correct however you need to, to get to the next and the next and the next. But the other side is amazing. Absolutely it is. You know, when you, when you think you get past that fear, yeah, you know, there's bumps. Even after the fear, there's, uh, there's some bumps in the road. But, uh, you know, when you get to the end, wow, what a life experience. Well, and the differences you see in yourself too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the you cost. can actually, you have fun. You, you, you're no longer that spectator. You're actually participating and you're, you're going out and enjoying life finally. And you're building confidence and you're building... Mm-hmm you and the person that you see before that whatever it was and the person you see after such a great change yes it is (laughs) such a great change and you're so excited you're like i love this person (laughs) oh yeah absolutely absolutely you do because you know now you can look at yourself in the mirror and be proud and be proud and that's a big thing for me with my kids is i want to i want them i want to be proud of me First and foremost, I want to be proud of me, but I want them to be proud. I want them to be proud of me and I want them to be proud of who they are. God, I mm-hmm. hope I don't screw them up too much. <laughs> you're not going to screw them up, mom. You're, uh, you're going you're to be successful at it. And, you know, they're, you know, because of you, they're going to avoid the pitfalls that, uh, that you had to go through before you found yourself, before you became authentic. I hope so. I think, I think that's a great story in itself because they will. The gifts we give our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Through our own struggles. Yes. I find I'm discovering this, and I always believed that kids were just as big a teacher to us as we are to them. Oh, but yeah. There are moments I have with my kids that literally feel like gifts they have given me, even though it's a, it's a fight, it's a struggle, it's a, you know, a, something that's a conflict in that <laughs> moment. But in the end, I, I really do look back at it and go, I'm really grateful we had that opportunity because we got we got through the ugly part mm-hmm. and got to the goods we got to the goods and then in the goods there's like that genuine connection and that moment where we're really able to share something that means something well i'll appreciate you ever uh, every day after that i appreciate them for that even though most mm-hmm. days i just want to kill them did i just say that <laughs> yes 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 you know i felt that many 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 times before <laughs> Surviving yeah. parenthood. Surviving yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can leave the house. You can go for a walk or you can go for a drive, but you can get away from home if you have to. <laughs> it's 
good. That's good. I mean, I think it's a good comparison because kids, uh, you know, they're like a sponge, you know, and I think that's the funnest part about them. You, you get to adulthood and you, you kind of forget that, uh, that kind of free going, freewheeling kind of way of living life. You know, now you have to adult. Now you have to, you have responsibilities and you have to, you know, well, that's where the expectations come from. You're expected to, to be and act a certain way. Whereas kids don't care. They absorb absolutely everything. And, you know, they're constantly changing, whether it's their hair, their clothing, you know, their sayings, their attitudes, you know, they're kind of fun that way. And I yeah. appreciate them for it, uh, you know, because they remind you, you know, it's okay to be young. You can be an adult, but boy, oh boy, I mean, you still have to enjoy it. I think as you get older, or at least I, I, I've experienced this, and I hope that many people end up experiencing this, as you get older, you realize being serious all the time is not the way to be. No. It's way more fun to be fun. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's moments of serious, and you need to take certain things seriously, and you need to do things in a professional manner, and you need to be a person that is authentic and full of integrity. Absolutely. Be a kid. Absolutely. Be a, be a kid at least. Darn right. They see, the, they see the world through curiosity and the more curious we are, the more fun we are. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, again, I wouldn't have got up in an airplane. I wouldn't have come out. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have <laughs> taken, over, uh, taken over this company if, uh, if I hadn't. Shane, I swear to God, when I jump out of that plane, I'm coming to see you afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to see the video. I want to see all the photos. Post them, post them, post them. I'll be like on fire. <laughs> Not literally, but. <laughs> and it's yeah. well deserved, you know, because when you land, wow. I bet. I like, that feeling must have been crazy because now that I think about it, there is, for me, that would be terror going up, going up that whole time, like flying. Until you actually jump out of that plane, I would probably feel like I was going to throw up. I like I'd probably cry. I, you know, I'd, I'd have a hundred different emotions of panic going through me. And then you jump out, and then when you hit the ground, that's exhilaration. Well, I didn't hit the ground. I landed softly. It was mad. well. That's what I mean. <laughs> I sure My guy, help you. Sure as hell, hope you don't hit the ground. <laughs> My guy was uh, it was so good with me, and I mean he had the. He pulled the straps and everything. We we landed like I felt like I just you know I got out of my vehicle. That's how softly we landed. And then poor Matt comes down with his guy. And did he I, land harder? He landed right on his ass and went for about <laughs> twenty feet. It was the funniest thing to see. Uh, He's like, he says, "Your landing looks softer." I'm like, mm, uh, "Yeah, a little." You're like, didn't look, it was. Mine was so nice. It was like landing on a pillow. It's like, he's, I want your guy next time. I'm like, you're going to have your guy next time. I know how to land. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It uh, honestly was well worth it. And, uh, you know, you talk about quiet car rides, but for the right, right reasons, even driving back to, uh, to Cape Town, it was, it, was, it was somewhat quiet. I mean, there was a lot of reflection after that. Yeah. Uh, and boy, oh boy, I mean... I would recommend it to anybody. I mean, if you need a wake up or a, you know, one of those, one of those life changing experiences, jump out of an airplane. It sounds so weird that you could like go through a fairly large fear. That's a big fear exercise. That's be, that's, that's not a typical fear exercise. That's a big one, but Absolutely. even, even going through a fear exercise, I talked about breaking the arrow in the first podcast. Mm -hmm. Just the thought process with that is incredible because it, it literally is the way we perceive fears. And mm -hmm. same thing with you on that plane. I still can't believe you got on the plane. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what the plane looked like or how rickety it was. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> All we had to do was get up in the air. All you had to do was get up. I just, maybe I just keep my eyes closed. No, no, no. no? Keep your eyes open. <laughs> Well, once you jump, I would want to keep my eyes open. I want to see it. But I think going up, I don't know. I have no problems flying, though. So maybe it wouldn't be so bad. So you're halfway there? Maybe I'm just, see, I'm, I'm building this. I, I'm already building it in my own mind, this fear. <laughs> and really, all I need to do is diffuse it right now and just say, yes. it's going to be fun. Well, you gave yourself half the answer right there. You're already halfway there. You can get up in an airplane. Okay, well, that's half the task is getting up in the airplane. You, you, the next half is just jumping out of it. Taking that leap of faith. 
Ja. <laughs> I'm still, yeah, I'm going to come see you after. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome it. I wonder where I'm going to do this. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing it in South Africa. That plane sounds not fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, what? The, looking past the plane, I mean, it's, uh, you know, all it has to do is get you up there. All you have to do is jump after that. Okay, so question being, would you do it again? Absolutely, I would. Hmm. You know, and with less, uh, less fear this time. More excitement next time? Definitely more excitement. I want to get out there and, you know, what didn't I do the last time as I was jumping? (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to take your word for that. Good. Until I get up. I will do that over this next year. Okay. Okay. You promised. I am. We have it on record. It is on record. I am declaring today. This is April. So within the next 12 months, so by April next year, I will jump out of a plane. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I was going to do that for my 18th birthday and I did not. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> so now you have an excuse. No. Now you got to get up there in the airplane. You got to make the big jump. Well, now the audience is going to have to, it, the audience will hold me to it. I Absolutely declared it. I have no choice. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. And likewise. Thank you so much, Shane. And next week, it's you and me. Yep, we're back and forth. So we'll have interviews and then just my thoughts. Hope you love my ramblings because they are here to help guide you, give you tools, and inspire you to start thinking in ways that not only broaden you, but also help you find that incredible strength and beauty within yourself, the one that you absolutely fall in love with. Next week, we are going to be talking about living on the surface. And I'm really excited to bring this episode to you because it's very near and dear to my heart. And you'll understand why next week. So stay tuned. If you are loving Fear It Goes, and you know how much we all love five stars, and I haven't seen one yet, so can you please put some up? If you love the show, please leave us five stars. If you are not loving the show, please go to fearitgoes.com and leave us some comments. It's the only way I'm going to be able to bring you what I really envision gifting you through these podcasts. So fearitgoes.com. Leave a message at the bottom of the podcast section. Um, If you have some ideas for upcoming episodes, please leave them there as well. I have some incredible ideas. I am going to actually spill this to you right now. This is coming up. We are going to do a six-part series on sex, and I'm telling you, you will not want to miss this. Wow. Until next week, my beautiful souls, thank you so much for listening, and have an absolutely extraordinary week. summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two-axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com.